morning, good morning, good morning. Blessed Sabbath to all. We welcome you to our Sabbath School broadcast here at Daughter Zion, partnering also with um, a guest panelist from Message of Hope, um, the hub there in Central Florida. But he's meeting with us this morning all the way from Austin, Texas as well. So, Demir, welcome. We also have our dear chaplain, Aaron Newton, who makes sure that the gospel of God does not sit still, right? But it runs like a river. And so we're grateful to have you on with us this morning, Chaplain Newton. We are so grateful to have you both. We are looking forward to what this morning is going to offer as it relates to some um, the, the word of God, the, the, the manna from heaven, the, the exposition, if you will, of his holy word. So we are, we're, we're grateful for that. Um, we're going to start with a word of prayer, but want to remind everyone, please share this um, broadcast with your friends. Um, subscribe to our channel, like um, the broadcast as well. Let someone know we are on, we are live, we are waiting for you to join us and we want your comments. We need your comments. Your comments help us know that we're not speaking just to ourselves, but someone else out there is actually hearing this and willing to give us some feedback and give us some questions and give us some thoughts. We want to hear, we need to hear from you this morning. So let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, be with us, I beg you, as we open up, dear Lord, your word, as we explore the lesson for this week, dear God, we're asking that you'll teach us more, dear God, Jesus as the anchor of our soul. Dear Lord, help us, I beg you. We thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen and amen. So I said it, but I'm going to say it again. Jesus, the anchor of the soul, right? That is our lesson for this week. We are dealing with the book of Hebrews. And as we're dealing with the book of Hebrews, obviously, we are looking at some beautiful, I mean, just Paul's engagement with the children of Israel and how they have made it over, right? They made it over. They, they, they've come out of this place into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we enter into this, um, this knowledge now of Jesus Christ. And Paul's saying, hey, there's some things that we need to talk about, right? There's some things we need to kind of explore. And so this week, um, we dealt with this, this particular um memory text, if you will, taken from Hebrews chapter six. And I want to just take a look. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both secure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Paul's preaching now. He's preaching now. He's preaching. He says, where the forerunner has entered for us, Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, right? And that's our memory text. And I want to just talk about the fact that Paul is now talking about the movement of Christ. He's talking about the movement of the ministry, right? And as he's going through that, we open up to Sunday's lesson. And Sunday's lesson is just an old familiar um, lesson. It's an old familiar text. He's actually bringing us out. Good morning, um, A. Williams. We, we look forward to hearing from you later on throughout the broadcast also. But Paul begins to go through something. As he goes through this thing, he begins to break down this awesome experience of tasting the goodness of the word. Good morning, Sister Taylor. Happy Sabbath to you also. And so I want to spend some time as we explore the tasting of the goodness of the word. I want to talk a little bit about this idea of tasting. And I have a question. And I'm going to start with our dear chaplain here. How many times, chaplain, can you taste something? Paul says, it says, and I'm going to read here from, um, from the lesson. It says, to have been enlightened means to have experienced conversion, right? Talking about Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. 
And I want to just, if you can help us through this chapter, Newton, how many times can you taste something? Help us out this morning. Taste. When we speak of taste, so th there's so many ways that you can look at taste. Uh, from, from a worldly perspective, taste, you can taste things several times. Uh, I can give you a sandwich. You can taste that sandwich and it tastes delicious. I can make you a platter of food and when you taste it, it's going to taste delicious. But when it comes to the word of God, it says here in Luke 9, 62, but Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, when we think of what Jesus is saying here in this particular scripture text, it says no one can put their hands to the plow and look back and be fit for the kingdom of God. We have to taste God seriously and taste his word seriously. We can't play with his word. And so when we're tasting God, it's not a one th one time. It's, it, it is a one time thing. It's not something that you can play around with. When we taste the word and when we put our feet planted in the word, we have to take the word seriously. Imagine so many times in the word when we think of Jesus, that the, the title of the lesson, Jesus is the anchor. When we think of Jesus' ministry, when he asks the young man, the rich young ruler, he says, listen, sell all you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And once he looked at God and he looked at his money, he made his choice. We have to taste and see how good God is. And so when it comes to taste in a spiritual setting, it's one time. Amen, amen, amen. I, I like that. You talked about the platter. You talked about the anchor. You talked about tasting the, the, the goodness of God. And you said one time. How many times can you taste something? One time. And we actually had a comment come in. And I want to take a quick look at that comment before I come to you, Demir, if you don't mind. And, and, and Sister Taylor said, taste is an experience, right? So it's an experience. And so, um, and she goes on to say, when you experience something, it has an indelible impression in your mind. So when you think of it, you can express it over and over again. That is a powerful concept. Thank you so much, because what she's expressing is, look, the taste leaves something. Right. The taste leaves something behind. And she's saying then I, you have to do something with that taste that's left behind. So I want to hear from you, Demir. But if you don't mind, can I just read something very quickly, Demir? If, if, thank you so much. You're, you're so kind, man. That's why I always um, just have a, I, I gravitate towards you. It says here in Hebrews chapter six, verse four through six, it says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. Chaplain Newton, here you are and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Demir, how many times can you taste something? Please help us out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Jason, for reading that because I think it really helps you clarify you know, you can really only taste something once, uh, similar to, to how the chaplain, um, you know, just, you know, beautifully expounded upon, um, you know, once you get a sense of it, you know, that first time, you know, that's when you make that decision. That's when you make. So I, I, I thought of it in terms of like, um, you know, the if anybody has ever gone to 
uh, what's the retail store down there? Uh, Costco's, right? Costco's on a weekend, or let me just say Costco's on Sunday, right? And and they have all the little little trays where they give you a little sample so that you can what? You can taste, right? <laughs> so you can taste the product and see, you know, you know, you get a sense of it, right? Because the definition of taste is to, you know, uh, perceive or experience the flavor of, right? So, you know, you perceive and you experience the flavor of it, and then you decide whether or not you're going to go ahead and you're going to make that, uh, make that purchase, or you're going to, you know, say, I'm good, I'm going to pass, right? They limit how many times, you know, you can, you know, take those samples, right? You can't just fill up on the samples and then say, you know, I, I don't know if I want, I, I want this, uh, this, this, um, this product or not. And I think it's, it's the same here. Once you've actually, you know, in that verse, in Hebrews 6, verse 4, it talks about, you know, you know, it says, you know, the, the, you know, those who were once enlightened, right, and have tasted um, of the heavenly gifts and have become partakers of the Holy Ghost. So this isn't just like a cursory knowledge. This is somebody who truly, you know, you know, who, who, who has an in-depth understanding of God and has really experienced, you know, the power and the goodness and the forgiving and the, the, the love and the warmth of God to, to have fallen away. So this is not just like your average everyday person. This is somebody who has really tasted and has, you know, almost ruminated on, on, on um, the, 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 the flavor of the gospel. So, so, so I think, you know, like as, as a, as a chaplain says, you really can only taste something once and then you make that decision. Amen. Amen. My man went to Costco on a Sunday on us, right? I like how you did that quick little retreat. You kind of pulled back and then went forward. almost like a Tyreek Hill uh, reception. Um, you know, you said the weekend, but you're like, wait, wait, he's a Sabbath keeper. So let, let me, let me quickly go back to Sunday. But I like that, Demir. You're absolutely right. Look at that. They don't let you have unlimited taste, right? They give you a taste. I love your definition, by the way. Keep that handy. We're going to come back to that. So I'm hearing you taste something one time and then you know whether you want some more, whether you want to dive all in. But it's not the initial um, partaking. Right. You know what it tastes like. You've been involved with it. You've gone in deep, not this little overview, but you've actually gone and you know, God, you have a knowledge of him for yourself. And so I want to ask this question, Chap Chaplain Newton. If we can understand that as it relates to how many times you can taste something, I, I want to just speak to um, what are some modern day examples, right? What are some modern day examples of tasting the goodness of the word of God? You know, it's always interesting how we hear this and we read it from, you know, the Hebrew letter um, that Paul drafts. But this is a letter that is moving, right? It's not a letter that is stagnant in time. It's fluid. It's, it's something that relates back then as well as now. So if you can give us some modern day examples of tasting the goodness of the word of God, chaplain. Well, you know, when we, when we think of the word of God, you know, I remember I was on um, this same uh, broadcast here and you said something that really has resonated in my heart. And, and I, I've known it my whole ministry, my whole life. But when we think of John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And so when we think of the word of God, the word of God has been going on before. I was born before Elder Tracy was born before uh, my brother was born before any of us who are on the line have been born. This this word has been going on. And in his word, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. I, I got up this week. It was raining, but the sun came out this morning before we got on the line i like to walk and talk to god because i want to be in that clear mind before i speak to his people when i came out 
the warmness I felt from the sun let me know that he's not going to leave me or forsake me because he has given me light in this day for me to see where I'm going. He has given me vegetation for me to have to eat. The word of God gives us so much. And, and, and what I wrote down here, when we, we see in his word, his grace, how gracious he is to us, how he sent his son to die for us. So that we have not one chance, but multiple chances because God forgives us so many times. So his grace is sufficient in his word that we see how good he is. Then let's speak of the joy. God gives us joy when we see a baby being born, when we witness all the gracious acts that he's done. All this is in his word, the word of God. Then we also can look at the usefulness. Ella White speaks of the usefulness of the words and how we handle situations. If there's an irate person, we speak to him in love. If there's a person who needs help, we help them in love, but we're useful. We're servants. And there's more I have that I can piggyback on, but I want to save that for further questions. But the most part, the word gives us so much. It says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. <laughs> thy word is a laugh unto my feet and a light unto my path. We can quote scripture all day, but God's resourcefulness, God's character, God who he is, is in his word. And if we're spending time with our Savior, we're spending time with our Heavenly Father, we're spending time with His Spirit, the Word is everything to us. It's guiding us. It's telling us what to do. It's that joy when we're at night crying over a lost loved one. It is everything that we need. Praise God for His Word. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, um, Chaplain. I want to read some of these comments to me just before I come to you with that um, same um, question. And I just want to say, first of all, um, good morning. We have some good mornings coming in. Happy Sabbath. Thank you so much, Brother Marcus, um, for that. We have our dear sister, Gail Cole. Good morning and blessed Sabbath to you as well. Want to also say good morning to our dear sister, um, Stephanie um, Quince. Good morning to you as well. And so here, here's we have we have a um, I don't know if it's a it's a um, subtle plug, but it's a plug nonetheless. We have Brother Ricky Mark saying, some modern day examples of tasting the word of God, subscribing to DOZ SBA Church on YouTube and subscribing to DOZ Weekly Podcast on my phone and hearing what God has to tell me that day. So again, thank you so much, um, Brother Ricky. I don't know if I just um, became a part of that little plug um, that wasn't so subtle, but nonetheless, um, those are some great examples, right? Demir, what are your thoughts on that? What are some modern day examples of tasting the goodness of the word of God? We see some modern day examples of tasting, right? We saw that in Costco, but now let's talk a little bit about the, the word of God, right? And what your thoughts are there. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely, you know, I'm latching on to everything that the chaplain uh, said there. Um, for me, I think the modern day examples of really is, are really the, those personal uh, experiences that we have with God, right? When, 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 when the chaplain says, you know, he, he, you know, he walks so that he can, you know, he, he walks before, you know, speaking to the people of God so that he can be in communion with God before coming, you know, before his people. I think that is an example of, you know, tasting and seeing, you know, the, the, you know, the, the goodness um, of, of God's word. But really, 
you know, it's those, it's really those personal experiences that really are, are almost uh, the anchors of our faith moving forward. I think everyone has a personal story. Uh, it may not even necessarily be your personal conversion story, but just a personal story where you truly depended and you really needed God to be there. For me, it was, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a person that, you know, I, I guess I understand a lot of the theory, right? And, I, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's one of those things where it's like, but will God do this for me? Right. But, you know, I've seen, you know, Daniel, I've seen, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the lame man, you know, you know, walk like, and I know God is capable. Right. But will God do this for me? And I, I will never, ever forget. I was, it was during intercessory prayer a couple years back and I, I was praying for something. I was praying for healing for a family member. And I was really, really, really in, 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 a, in a moment where I was, you know, I, I was like, God, I need you to be more than theory right now. I need you to be real in my life right now. And even before I ended the prayer, I promise you, my phone buzzed. And it was, and, and I, again, to this day, I, I can't explain it. You know, I obviously, no, I can't explain it. It was God. And I, I opened the text and it was my sister saying, hey, everything's fine. You know, you know, levels are good. And, you know, you know, you know, you know dad's going to be all right. I was like the 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 realness of the moment, right? Because again, there, there's you know, I think for those of us who were raised in the church for so long, we knew the stories, but sometimes we don't necessarily have that personal moment where we really taste, right? <laughs> we're going off the recommendation of others, right? We're going off of our parents. We're going off of you know the biblical stories. We're going off of pathfinders. We're going off of all those different things. But then when you actually taste it for yourself. You know, it, it, it makes a world of a difference, right? It, it, it's really something that you know from then on you build off of, uh, and and so I think those are the modern examples of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And I think after that, you know, there's really can be no doubt, right? After that, you 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 you've experienced it, and you understand that yes, you know, you may not be you know you may not be able to perceive God physically all the time, but you understand that He's there. You understand that He's listening. You understand that He's loving. You understand that He's kind. You understand that He's long suffering, right? You understand that He has just a disposition of good towards you. And I think that that you can use that as fuel to continue, you know, on 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 the race. And I didn't mean to you know to wax you know too long there, but um, that's really how I saw the tasting and seeing the goodness of God in our modern experience. That's awesome. I'll say this to you. Um, thank you so much for sharing, Demir. You know, it's those real life examples that not only encourage us when they happen to us, but they encourage others when they hear about what happened to us as well. So thank you so much for providing that, um, that example there. And I'm asking our viewers as well, if you have some modern day examples of tasting the goodness of the word of God, where maybe you didn't even read the word of God first, but he did the thing first and then brought you to the place in the scripture where he said he was going to do it and didn't he do it though, right? And so um, if you want to share with us this morning, I know others will gain strength from that um, example as well. And, um, you know, definitely put them in our comments, um, you know, speak to our chat as it relates to just what a modern day example of tasting the goodness of the word of God. It is still alive. It is still real. It is not something that um, happened however many years ago for others. But like Demir said, I think it's very powerful. Make it personal. Make it real to you. Will God do it for you? And so. Um, so, so just so grateful to God for being so kind and so patient. And as a songwriter says, he's already here. I can feel his presence. In other words, he already was doing it long before you started praying. But he allows you to pray about it anyway. God is awesome. So I want to move on to um, this discussion on Monday. Monday deals with impossible to restore. Now, 
I must admit, you know, when looking at that title um, or that heading, if you will, for, for Monday, it will cause much angst. It will cause much apprehension as you start to take a look at something that says impossible to restore. You think, well, wait a second, wait a second. Wait. I thought all things were possible. Right. And so you begin to kind of go through this. But I want to before I get into the question for Monday, I want to bring up there is a certain poet that came out of um, I believe it was um, a little a little borough in New York by the name of Brooklyn. His name was Christopher. And he said, somebody's got to die, right? Somebody has to die. And so I want to discuss this day's focus as we examine that concept from that ghetto poem um, regarding somebody has to die. I wanna ask this question, what in our lives needs to die? And understand, there is this reconciling that has to happen at some point. Someone has to die, right? And um, I want to, if you will, um, Chaplin, can you help us out on this one? Um, I don't know if you know the poet, but nonetheless, I know you know Jesus. So if you can help us out in here, I. I, I <laughs> oh man, you are you are you are very uh, a special person, Elder. I love that. I love that point. And um, yes, yes, I do know the poet. I do know the poet. The poet is uh, probably one of the greatest poets we've ever heard. Uh, the Lord did bless him. Unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. God be with him and his family. Um, uh, basically, you know, when we, we look at uh, it was a scripture text that was aligned with it. It was in Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And it was speaking about the different sins. But when we notice any things of these sins and what needs to die in us itself. And what we have to understand is, is that self is kind of what is not kind of it is what leads us to these things that needs to die. So a lot of times, you know, Sister White, she wrote that she said the greatest battle ever fought is not between God and Satan, but God himself. And when we look at the devil, when he was in heaven and if you, you, you read uh, Ellen White's writings, if you read the Bible, you look that the Lord said himself that the sin was found in you. <laughs> you were created as a perfect creature, but the sin was found in you, it was something that was found in you. And so it starts with our pride and what we want and the things that we want that we think are more important than God. And if you ever noticed a baby, you ever pay attention to a baby, you tell the baby, don't touch this, don't touch this. Then he touches and he burns himself. And he, uh, as a child, we like to uh, be rebellious. We like to choose things because we think we know it all. God told Adam and Eve, you shouldn't eat of this fruit or you will surely die. And the devil said, you will not surely die. And so we look at certain things. Self is what needs to die. If we die to self, if we every morning get on our knees and say, Lord, give us strength in what we do, we will be fine. But the problem is a lot of people don't do that. Their focus is on things of, of, of the world. Their focus is on their sins and their problems. And we have to change our focus. If we change our focus and keep our eyes on Jesus, we will be fine. But a lot of times we don't do that. And so what needs to die is our sins. But the root problem is us. We have to die to self and give God his all and everything will be fine. Amen. 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 What in our lives needs to die? Chaplin says we just need to die to self. It's that thing um, that dwells within us. Um, 
Brother Mark says, what needs to, what has to die, unrighteousness, iniquity, the temptations of the past, present, and future, the weeds and thorns attempting to grow where we've sown seeds, a variety of interferences. Um, and someone else says, Sister Taylor says, um, so right, Chaplain. Um, and I, I love this comment as well. Um, thank you all for pointing your comments so much. <laughs> you know, what in our lives has to die? And so much. It's just, we, we just really need an empty self as, um, as um, the chaplain brought out. Demir, what are your thoughts on that? You know, what in our lives needs to die? Um, if, you, if you could um, help us out there. Well, um, well, holding on to uh, what the chaplain said, that, uh, that God versus self uh, really, really uh, threw me back. Like that is, that is basically the, the, the essence of the struggle. Right. It's God versus, you know, our will. Right. There's no there's no there's nowhere for, for two wills, you know, to really you know inhabit one body. It's either it's going to be your will or it's going to be God's will. And I think, um, you know, in, in, in uh, Corinthians or first Corinthians uh, six, verse nine here, where it just you know, lists, you know, all those sins. Um, and then verse 11 says, you know, as as such were some of you. Right. And so it's like, you know, you know, there there's you know, you have to drop, you know, the 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 nature the the automatic nature that comes you know because automatically you know we are prone to sin like that's just our that's just the the it, it come we come programmed with it and so you have to fight that programming every single day every single day it has to be God it's your will not my will right because you know I see based on my limited views and my limited understanding of the world but you see you know around the corner and over the hill and through the river and you see all you know you see the entire way so like what you want is what I should do and so it it's very difficult you know to 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 relinquish that level of control and to you know to trust you know that that you know that <laughs> that that you know God will lead you in in that in that right path because again you know we're we're in a place as uh, the chaplain says, you know, from a baby, right? You know, we're, 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 it's all about me, 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 me. You know, what, you know, I, I'm cold, I'm hungry, I need to be changed. It's all about me. And then, you know, I think it's a shock to realize that the world is not centered around you and that you do have to give up control to someone else to, you know, to take care of you and such. And so, you know, I think it's, it's us, you know, living for ourselves and seeking our own. That man has to die. That old man of sin has to die. And it's like being planted, being buried in order so that you can grow and you can flourish and become a tree. But if you refuse to be buried, um, it, it's going to be difficult. You're just going to, you know, basically stay, you know, the little seed. Um, but but yeah, that's kind of like where I, I saw that, that 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 question going. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Demir. I, I like that idea of not only dying, but being buried. So you can grow. I love that. Um, Sister Wells says, excellent. So very true. God will help. God help us. We all need to die daily. Amen. Praise God for that. Our sister um, Way says, so much of life is based on an experience we can't smell. Um, and, and then um, how we describe something is our experience. When we taste God, we experience God and we are called to share that experience. And so the, the idea of of that experience with God and those things that need to die in our lives. It's a very, very powerful thing, but somebody has to die, right? And so as we looked at um, on Monday's lesson, it was interesting because it talked about dying to self, but in the event we don't wanna do that, we actually crucify Christ, right? And so just looking to those, those dynamics um, and it's going back to the Garden of Eden, um, God said, the day you eat this fruit, 
you die, right? Somebody has to die. And so just a very interesting dynamic there. But looking at our lives, and you talked about that First Corinthians um, text, there are so many things in our lives. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's hard to really come to grips with some of the things that need to die. Because those things that almost feel as though that's what helps us to survive, or shall I say, we think thrive. And those are things that are, they're actually, the very things that we need to die, die off to or have die in our lives are actually killing us. And so if we can kind of reconcile that, the thing that you won't let go of is killing you. Um, once we get to that place, it's, it's a, um, it'll help us get where we need to go. Um, so let me see this. It says, Sister Wells says, I find a little sin that so easily besets us. We may not think as much, but lying, cheating, gossiping, so many negative behaviors we carry as Christians, and we don't even know it. I'm guilty. You see the honesty, honesty of Sister Wells and, and the ownership of that. But it's true. We, we oftentimes look at some other sins and kind of cast a, a greater condemnation on those individuals. Meanwhile, we're running with some stuff that we need to get better with, right? I want to say happy Sabbath to our dear Sister Dahlia, um, and God bless you as well. Keep up, keep the comments pouring in, please. We want to hear from you. We want to, we want to um, continue to share this experience with you as well. I want to move into Tuesday's lesson. Tuesday, we're dealing with no sacrifice for sins left. No sacrifice for sins left. And I want to talk a little bit about what Paul gets into this, this language about putting Christ to an open shame. And I want to ask Chaplain Newton, how do we put Christ to an open shame? What is Paul talking about? What is he getting at here? If you can help us in our viewers, please. When, when, when we put in Christ to an open shame and we look at the scripture, it says holding on to contempt or holding on to our sins. Um, I'm going to give you a, a few examples here. Um, let's just say you have an issue. And in this issue, you take it to a one of these places, these rehab places. Let's say you have issue with marijuana. You have issue with alcoholism. And you go and you go get rehab. You defeat this issue and then they find you back on the news <laughs> with a DUI or with an issue. God has given us victory. Jesus has shown us that he can defeat anything. It, it, there's nothing in this world, in the worlds that are, are around us. The, the God can defeat everything. God is above everything. He's the greatest. He's the I am. And when we seek, see Jesus in the life of Jesus and how he handled things, he showed you how you can overcome. You get the antidote to your sin and then you go back and you meddle in the sin. Word of God says in Proverbs that sin is like a dog running back to his throw up to go eat his throw up. We're putting God openly to shame when we continue to choose or run back to our sins. When God has given us the victory. He's given you the victory today and you're still openly going back to your sin. He's shown you and you are an example to your brothers, your example to the world that we have this hope. But then they see you swearing at the job. We have this hope, but then we, they see you screaming, catching road rage to someone else. We have this openly gift to save everyone in this world, the cure for cancer, the cure for AIDS. We don't need a vaccine. We have the cure for COVID. It is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But we are behaving as if we don't know him. As the, the, some of the disciples did, as Peter did, when he denied him three times. And that's the thing. We have to be Christians, not just on Sabbath, 
But in those tough situations, when someone at your job, if you're working at a, a hair salon and they're speaking ill of you, you still have to be a Christian in that situation. If someone is gossiping and they're speaking ill about someone else, you have to be a Christian and pull away from that situation. When you openly continue to choose your sin and others see this, and I've, I've heard this, a minister, he told me this, he said when he first got into the faith, that his wife felt that the Adventist church is the best church. And when she saw Adventist sinning, gossiping, cursing, drinking of alcohol, all these things that we know that the word says, the wine is a mocker. We know what the word says, but then when people see us and we're not living like that, we are openly putting Jesus to shame. Amen. Um, thank you so much, Chaplain. I want to hear from you, but just before I do, um, Demir, just want to go to um, some of our comments. I want to tell Sister Lauren, good morning. Blessed Sabbath to you as well. Um, our Sister Taylor says, when we continue to sin and not hold on to his sacrifice, the sacrifice that gives us power to live this Christian life, that is how we put Christ to an open shame. Thank you so much, Sister Taylor. So, Demir, help us out here. How do you put Christ to an, Jesus to an open shame? Uh, for me, it's it's really just the refusal to die, right? Kind of like how we were talking about before, the refusal to, you know, to let go of, you know, who we were in the past, right? You know, you just, you know, recalcitrant in our sins and not, you know, letting, not letting that thing go. I think, you know, you know, similar to, you know, to, to you know, to how the chaplain says, like when, when it's, it's the little things, right? You know, it's not always, you know, these huge moments of faith. It's usually the small, you know, the small little, little, um, I guess, spiritual defeats that really kind of add up to, yeah, you're, 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 you're really not, uh, you're really not, you know, you know, changing, right? You know, when, 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 you know, you stub your toe and instead of, you know, instead of the, you know, the, the, the Christian, you know, comes out, you know, that old man leaps up out of you, right? You know, somebody, you know, uh, changes uh, lanes unexpectedly in traffic or, or, or anyone in any, you know, myriad number of, you know, you know, things that could, you know, uh, uh, could, could get us to, you know, to become upset. And I think it's those things, it's those moments that, you know, we refuse to die and we understand, uh, honestly, I think they, they really illustrate how far we have to go, right? How far we have to go in our walk and how, how close we are, you know, with Christ, because it's like, if that, if that's the automatic thing that comes out, you know, I think it just shows you, you know, how much work we need to do. But honestly, that, but that sinning deliberately, I think that's really what really puts, you know, Jesus to an open shame. Um, I think the promise of Christ is a transformed life, right? To go from, you know, this person, you know, to, to, uh, to, 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 to become a completely different person. I think if you look at the people who Jesus associated with, right, you know, the, the, the fishermen, the tax collectors who are really tax cheats, the, you know, the prostitutes, the, you know, the sinners and the publicans, right, as the Bible puts it, you know, these were the lowest of the lowest people in society. And, you know, to see them after what three odd years of, of ministry, three odd years of walking with him, you know, the people who, you know, the guy who carried a sword and was out, you know, ready to, you know, cut ears off is writing, you know, my little children be as, you know, like the, it's, it's a completely different person. And, 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 and I think that's the miracle and that's the transformation um, um, of Christ. Like, like, like the chaplain says, it was God versus self. And when you let God win, you you become so much. You become so much more. You 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 that old person dies, and you become this new person that that God would, would want you to be. And honestly, that's the best person that you could be. 
And, and, and I think we put God to shame when we accept Christ, right? We come as we are and then we stay as we are. We remain the same person. I think it kind of says to the world that, that this was a life that the power of God couldn't have changed, right? And, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, God has done all this, but in this life, in this particular life, in her life, in his life, you know, God did nothing for, for, for them or had no power to change their life. And I think that that's what um, the chaplain you know, mentioned when uh, the, the the preacher's wife saw, you know, Adventists, you know, who were, you know, gossiping and, you know, you know, just just being, you know, in a just acting in a manner that doesn't befit, you know, the calling that we're called to. So I think that that is, you know, the that that, that is putting it to that is putting God to an open shame or Christ to an open shame. And I think we we can choose to relinquish that power. Right. We can choose to relinquish, you know, you know, that will and let and allow God to lead. Um, and, and it would be so much more because like you were saying before, the things that we hold on to are corrosive, right? The, the, the anger, when you hold on to that anger, when you hold on to, you know, you know, whatever vice it is that you're holding on to, it's corrosive for you, like to hold on to lust, to hold on to greed, to hold on to, you know, just being impatient. Like those are the things that we, 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 we just hold on to those things when in actuality, it's, it's, it's rotting us from the inside. You know, we, we may not, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you don't perceive how bad it is, but you, it's an additive effect over multiple years. It becomes harder. So if you don't deal with it today, it's harder to deal with tomorrow. It's harder to deal with next month. It's harder to deal with next year. So it's like, you really have to make the decision to let go and let God today, right? Even right now and not wait because it, it just becomes a much more uh, difficult thing to let go in, in, in the future. Demir, whenever you have that writing instrument in your hand, I know you're getting ready to get busy, right? And I'm not moving <laughs> for a reason. Then you switched hands and um, put in your other hand. So I knew for sure at that point, you get ready to go, um, go just, just hard on this particular question. But you said something that triggered um, a, 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 a thought in my mind. And it seems that one of our viewers as well, um, just before you um, started getting into it, um, our dear sister here, Sagithia says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And right. we find this in scripture. And she has brought this point out because there are many of us who walk around with the, with the, the, the Bible commentaries, the, you know, a big Bible all marked up, um, um, tagged up, tabbed up, you know, all that good stuff. And we, 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 Sabbath, and we had the excellent way we say it, the excellent way we, you know, we make it seem as though it's one thing, but, but at the end of the day, we don't have the power, right? We deny the power. And you talked about the power of change. You talked about this power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you this question. And I want you to keep your mind, if you don't, if, if you don't mind, Demir, not telling you what to do. This is what I would like for you to, to um, possibly consider. Keep your mind on this comment, right? Having a form of God, and I'll come back to it, but denying the power thereof. And I want to move us to the question of how do we sin against the Holy Spirit, right? Because you mm -hmm. talk about, you know, that repetitive sin, right? Putting Christ in open shame. But how do we sin against the Holy Spirit? And at the same time, I want us to remember this having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Help us, Demir. I'm going back on mute. Uh, absolutely. I think it's really denying, uh, you know, the tugging, right, in our hearts, right? That, that conviction to say, hey, look, the way that you talk to that coworker, I understand that you had already sent them the document and that you had reminded them in person and that, you know, on the group, 
on, 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 the, on the larger group, they, you know, they, they, they made it seem like you were incompetent, but the way that you talk, you, you talked to her, that was not becoming of a Christian, like, and, and, and just refusing, right. To, to go back and, you know, to apologize. I think it's refusing to, you know, to, to, to speak to somebody about Christ when, when you have the opportunity, like, 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 like I was saying before, you know, we're waiting for, you know, the time of trouble, right. To be, to make some huge grand stand, but really it, it doesn't really take all that. Right. It takes something simple like, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, and, and, and not mentioning the fact that, you know, you went to church. Right. It's the small, little, seemingly insignificant things where the spirit is telling you, hey, talk about, you know, the, the, the revival or talk about the, you know, the mission uh, 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 trip that you guys did or something like it's, it's those small little things. Right. Those small little things that that we that, that you know, you have the spirit tugging on you and, and you refuse to, you know, to give in. And obviously, if we're still worried about the you know, you know, grieving the Holy Spirit, right? You know, we haven't, you know, we haven't grieved the Holy Spirit to, you know, to, you know, completion, but it's, it's resisting, it's having those forms of godliness, like, like our dear sister says, and denying that power and not, you know, allowing, you know, the power to do its work in us. And I'm going to, I'm trying to get to Mark here. But, but that's, but that's, that's, I think that's who, that that's how we go ahead and 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 sin against the spirit. Um, no, I... So while you're turning there, I want to read this comment if you don't mind, um, Demir. And so we had this comment come in from um, B Palmer, and it's interesting that this comment came in before you began responding to that question, right? And um, it says God works by the manifestation of His Spirit to reprove and convict the sinner, and the Spirit's work is finally rejected, there is no more that God can do for the soul. Imagine what's happening here, right? Christ says, I go and my father will send you a comforter, right? And this comforter will lead you. It will guide you into all truth, right? It will convict you. It will reprove you. It will give you power. It will give you power to understand and power to overcome. I feel like preaching, right? But if you reject that power, there's nothing more. God has given you that perfect gift. So Jesus says, if you reject that, you're endangered. I believe that's, that's what you're looking for, Demir. Um, and so as we talk about the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, it's literally your walking dead. You are literally a hollow um, um, cutout of a Christian with no substance inside, nothing inside. And so I see here, we have um, Sister Taylor says, rejecting the constant tugging of the spirit and deciding to do it the way that way because it feels good, right? And then Sister um, Stephanie um, says, refusing to correct your behavior. Sister Taylor goes on and say, doing it your way. And so we see this idea that um, God's Holy Spirit is capable of removing any sin within us as long as we die to self moment by moment. Now, let me say this, let me say this, let me say this, let me say this. This is the Samson moment, right? Samson is doomed. This is it. It is over. They gouge his eyes out. But the Bible says, I feel like preaching already. Here, here we go. The Bible says, how be it? Yes, in Judges chapter 16, I believe it is. How be it? The hair upon his head began to grow. In other words, his relationship was restored. It began to grow again. He began to connect again. And there we see it. The Holy Spirit is able to save and it saved them. Our dear, um, our, our dear sister, 
Um, I want to say good morning to everyone, by the way. We've gotten some happy Sabbaths from our dear Elder Sterling. Um, happy Sabbath to you up there in Central Florida. I want to say happy Sabbath to our dear sister Cornish as well. Let's, let's, let's keep this rolling. I want to hear from you, chaplain. You've been there for a while. I can see the spirit is bubbling within you. I need to hear from you. So we talked about sinning against the Holy Spirit, right? And I want to find out from you, how do we overcome our weaknesses, right? So we talked about the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit will do. Help us understand and get to the place of how do we overcome our weaknesses, please. And I know we... But I, I want to piggyback on what you guys were saying. Um, I'm going to answer both questions, I promise. Uh, for the first one, as far as the Holy Spirit, the word of God says in Mark, I'm reading from the CSB version. It says here, uh, 29, but whosoever blasphemes against my Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Now, what you have to understand, there's an atheist that says he's rejecting God, but there's a chance he still can be baptized. We continue to pursue him. When we speak of blasphemy, Let's go to Webster. Webster says the act of an offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God or sacred things, profane talking towards God. So when we reject the Holy Spirit in a sacrilegious way, we are pushing him away. I know when we were kids and growing up, you can joke on me all you want, but don't joke on my mama. You joke on my mama, it's fighting words. We know this. We're ready to throw blows. The Holy Spirit is what gives us reproof. He is what shows us what we need to do. We have to take him serious. It's not a joke. The Holy Spirit is who speaks to us constantly every day, who's telling us, don't say those words to your coworker. Be more kind to your church member. Be Pray for your pastor. He's going through something, whether you know it or not. The Spirit will move you to do these things. When we push him away in anger, in blaspheme, we're doing something that can't be forgiven. Now, to answer the, the, the next question, how do we overcome our weakness? Jesus. It's obvious. Through Jesus. Looking at the life of Jesus. I had a conversation this week. Uh, it was actually yesterday with one of my mentors. And we were speaking, you know, and I always wanted to understand this. Now, you know, the question says, how do we overcome our weakness? Now, me and... The, the pastor, uh, my brother, uh, the uh, pastors in the conference, as well as Elder Tracy. I'm the only one of the crew who is a big time LeBron James fan. But when we speak of greatness in basketball, it's Kobe Bryant. It's Michael Jordan. And look how Jordan does this. And Kobe emulates Michael Jordan. We have a guy that is so powerful and put a plan together. He didn't just give us one gospel. He gave us four to understand the life of Jesus. And I asked the pastor, I said, Pastor, my mentor, why is there four gospels? And he explained it to me. Matthew is showing Jesus the king. Mark is showing Jesus the servant. Luke is showing Jesus with compassion. And John is showing Jesus our God. And this is our example that we have when we're in weakness. Look how Jesus defeated the weakness. When they spoke bad of Jesus, look how Jesus handled them speaking bad to them. When they spit in our master's face, look how Jesus, Father, forgive them. 
for they know not what they do. How we handle and overcome our weaknesses is through Jesus. That's the best thing about it. We have so many different books that tells the story of Moses, the story of Elijah, but we have four books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So when you're going through a weakness, if you don't understand it as Jesus the king, go see him as Jesus the servant. If you don't understand him as Jesus the servant, go see him as Jesus with compassion. If you don't understand Jesus with compassion, Jesus our Lord and Savior and John. That's how we overcome our weakness. Amen, amen. Comments are pouring in, pouring in, pouring in. And um, I just want to say, man, um, we are running out of time. And, and I think that... Um, I, I think I took up the time this morning, but I want to just I want to see if we can hit a couple of these questions real quickly. I'm going to ask you this quick question, um, Demir. How did and I'm going to move on to Thursday's discussion here, Thursday's discussion. I want to talk about how did Jesus, how did God or does God fulfill all his promises. I'm talking about this idea of Jesus, the anchor of the soul. That was a title for the for um, Thursday. How did or does God fulfill all of his promises to us? <clears throat> um, so I think it's, it's in Jesus. Right. So one of the things that, you know, it, it you know, I think with Jesus, it's like if God is willing to give us Jesus, there's really nothing else that he is, you know, that, that, that he'll withhold you know, from us, right? Jesus is, you know, the bright and morning star. Jesus is the, you know, the, the, you know, the glory of, you know, the Godhead, you know, bodily. Jesus is, you know, Jesus is everything, right? And so if he's willing to give us Jesus, there's nothing, else, everything else is less than, right? So if, if, if he's willing to give us Jesus, it's not like, you know, it's not like making us the head that he won't do and not the tail. It's not, you know, helping us, you know, run on wings like eagles that he's not going to do. It's not, you know, you know, strengthening us for whatever battles that, you know, we have to come. So, in, in in giving us Jesus, he's already giving us, you know, the most precious gift that, you know, that could be given. And so, you know, all the promises that, um, you know, that, that, that God made, you know, were to get us to glory. Um, and here is Christ paving the way to make it possible, you know, for us to, you know, to, you know, to, to, to get there. And, and, and by giving us Jesus, he's already, he's given us the keys. He's giving us the way of salvation. And so that is, really the, you know, the accomplishment of all the promises, right? And that's how, you know, the fact that, you know, it, he also says that his word will not return to him void, right? Jesus is the word, right? Jesus went and he accomplished everything that he, that, 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 you know, the father had, you know, had promised to Israel and really through extension had promised to us as well. So if we focus on Jesus, if we walk with him, then there's really nothing that we can't accomplish. There's nothing that we can't do, you know, and, and, and by, by relinquishing our will to his, to his will and just allowing him to take control. It's there, there, there is a, there, there is a security. There is a, a level of faith. There's a level of, of just mental, you know, happiness and, and, and wholeness that you get from that, that I, I, that I, and obviously I'm working on as well. And I think that should be the, the, the life's work of everyone really. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, um, Demir. Really appreciate that. How did and does God fulfill all of his promises to us? It's the same answer. It's just powerful, right? Same answer. He, he said he'll do it and he keeps on doing it. And Jesus is still there yesterday, today. And what, what, what is the next part? Forevermore, right? And so I'm going to come to you, Chaplain, with the last question. I'm going to hit some of these comments. We got to wrap up. I am already one minute over time. 
So chaplain, I'm going to ask you if you can just help us out. What does it mean that when it says Jesus as the anchor of our soul? Help us out if you can and give us some going home music on this one. Jesus is the key. And if he's the anchor to our soul, he is what's going to guide us. You know, we, we see the word and we understand the word. And so if, if God, if Jesus is our anchor, if he is our anchor, if we understand something, looking at the life of Jesus, understanding the life of Jesus. And, and don't worry if you fall because the disciples fell. Disciples made mistakes. <laughs> One disciple walked on water and then later he cut a man's ear off. So that shows you in the where weakness lies. But that's what makes us serve such a, a loving and, and, and great God, that he understands where we are in our weakness, that he meets us where we're at. We just have to trust him. If we allow Jesus to be the anchor of our lives, and that's the key. He's the anchor of the soul. But at the end of the day, God sees the soul. We don't see the soul. We see our lives. Jesus has to not only be the anchor of your soul, but the anchor of your life. Let him be the true key of your life. That wherever you go, they see Jesus. Because you have to understand that. The biggest problem we have as Christians is that when people see us, they don't always see us on our best behavior. And in order for us to be on our best behavior, look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And I guarantee he'll be the anchor of your life, anchor of your soul, whatever you need. But you have to look to Jesus. You have to follow Jesus. What did Jesus do every morning? He got away from people. We have to get away from people. The first thing in the morning, we don't look in our phones. We don't call Elder Tracy and ask him for some help, for some some, some legal help. We don't call, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the president of the United States and say, reduce my taxes. We call the King of King and Lord of Lords and say, Lord, help me embrace this day. Help me to understand this day. Help me to take even problems in my day as a blessing that makes me draw closer to you and leaning on you. Remember, the word of God says in Proverbs 3, 5, to trust in the Lord with all, all, and lean not unto your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Amen. Amen. That does it for our time. Thank you so much, chaplain. I just want to say this. Um, the Bible says Jesus sat down at the right hand, the right of his father. And you think about an anchor in a boat. The anchor is dropped. When the anchor drops, guess what? The boat does not move. Right. And so Jesus dropped it down next to his heavenly, um, our heavenly father. And that means he will not move. And that means that we can anchor ourselves into him. If we put ourselves in him, we shall not be moved. We stay in Christ. So thank you both so very much. Has some powerful comments come through today, and I wish we could have read them all. Um, we have here, Brother Martin says, Godly patience is unmatched in this universe. It is truly something. Uh, we have um, B. Palmer says, we overcome our weaknesses by recognizing them through Jesus Christ. Um, I love this. Sister Taylor says he fulfilled his promises to us by coming and dying. If he died for us, there's no greater way to show that he would do all that he says he would do. And I was going to go on. But um, here we have our dear um, sister, um, Cindy Paul says, amen. And that's all I have to say. Amen. Thank you, my dear brothers, for allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you today. 
and with you. I am truly moved. I am closer than I was when we first began. Think about that. 50 plus minutes and I've gotten closer to my heavenly savior. That is truly a blessing. I want to thank you all for viewing and being with us today. I want to thank you for your comments. I want to ask you to continue to subscribe to our um, channel. Share this broadcast. Spend some time with us at our 11 o'clock worship service. We have an awesome service prepared for you today. We have a guest speaker coming in. Um, many of you know him, our dear elder, Jonathan Rowe, powerful preacher, has been in the word for quite some time. Um, he is truly committed his life to doing the work that edifies Christ. So join us back at 11 o'clock. You have about four minutes to go. Um, freshen yourself up, get some water, get some of that unleavened bread, and come on back and spend time in the presence of God today. We ask that you will um, join us again next week. Um, same channel, same time, but most importantly, same God. Pray with me, if you will. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, dear Lord, for your word. Thank you, O oh Jesus, for being the anchor of our soul. We thank you, dear God, for teaching us how to overcome this world. But more importantly, dear God, how to overcome self. Help us, dear Lord, to die to self and to embrace the power that you give us through your Holy Spirit. Help us, dear Lord, not to have a form of godliness, but to have God within us. We thank you for this opportunity. Be with all those who participate, dear Lord. Bless them, dear Lord, all over this world. And may you, dear Lord, be glorified in our lives. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great rest of the Sabbath. Good morning. Good morning. Blessed Sabbath to all. We welcome you to our Sabbath school broadcast here at Daughter Zion, partnering also with um, a guest panelist from Message of Hope, um, the hub there in Central Florida. But he's meeting with us this morning all the way from Austin, Texas as well. So, Demir, welcome. We also have our dear chaplain, Aaron Newton, who makes sure that the gospel of God does not sit still, right? But it runs like a river. And so we're grateful to have you on with us this morning, Chaplain Newton. We are so grateful to have you both. We are looking forward to what this morning is going to offer as it relates to some, um, the, the word of God, the, the, the manna from heaven, the, the exposition, if you will, of his holy word. So we are, we're, we're grateful for that. Um, we're going to start with a word of prayer, but want to remind everyone, please share this um, broadcast with your friends. Um, subscribe to our channel, like um, the broadcast as well. Let someone know we are on, we are live, we are waiting for you to join us and we want your comments. We need your comments. Your comments help us know that we're not speaking just to ourselves, but someone else out there is actually hearing this and willing to give us some feedback and give us some questions and give us some thoughts. We want to hear, we need to hear from you this morning. So let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, be with us, I beg you, as we open up, dear Lord, your word, as we explore the lesson for this week, dear God, we're asking that you'll teach us more, dear God. Jesus, as the anchor of our soul, dear Lord, help us, I beg you. We thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. So I said it, but I'm going to say it again. Jesus, the anchor of the soul, right? That is our lesson for this week. We are dealing with the book of Hebrews. And as we're dealing with the book of Hebrews, obviously, we are looking at some beautiful, I mean, just Paul's engagement with the children of Israel and how they have made it over, right? They made it over. They, they, they've come out of this place into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we enter into this, um, this knowledge now of Jesus Christ. And Paul's saying, hey, there's some things that we need to talk about, right? There's some things we need to kind of explore. And so this week, um, we dealt with this, this particular 
um, memory text, if you will, taken from Hebrews chapter six. And I want to just take a look. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both secure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Paul's preaching now, he's preaching now, he's preaching. He says, where the forerunner has entered for us, Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, right? And that's our memory text. And I want to just talk about the fact that Paul is now talking about the movement of Christ. He's talking about the movement of the ministry, right? And as he's going through that, we open up to Sunday's lesson. And Sunday's lesson is just an old familiar um, lesson. It's an old familiar text. He's actually bringing us out. Good morning, um, A. Williams. We, we look forward to hearing from you later on throughout the broadcast also. But Paul begins to go through something. As he goes through this thing, he begins to break down this awesome experience of tasting the goodness of the word. Good morning, Sister Taylor. Happy Sabbath to you also. And so I want to spend some time as we explore the tasting of the goodness of the word. I want to talk a little bit about this idea of tasting. And I have a question and I'm going to start with our dear chaplain here. How many times, chaplain, can you taste something? Paul says, it says, and I'm going to read here from, um, from the lesson. It says, to have been enlightened means to have experienced conversion, right? Talking about Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. And I want to just, if you can, help us through this, Chaplain Newton. How many times can you taste something? Help us out this morning. Taste. When we speak of taste, so th there's so many ways that you can look at taste. Uh, from, from a worldly perspective, taste, you can taste things several times. Uh, I can give you a sandwich. You can taste that sandwich and it tastes delicious. I can make you a platter of food. And when you taste it, it's going to taste delicious. But when it comes to the word of God, it says here in Luke 9, 62, but Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, when we think of what Jesus is saying here in this particular scripture text, it says no one can put their hands to the plow and look back and be fit for the kingdom of God. We have to taste God seriously and taste his word seriously. We can't play with his word. And so when we're tasting God, it's not a one th one time. It's, it, it is a one time thing. It's not something that you can play around with. When we taste the word and when we put our feet planted in the word, we have to take the word seriously. Imagine so many times in the word when we think of Jesus, that the, the title of the lesson, Jesus is the anchor. When we think of Jesus' ministry, when he asks the young man, the rich young ruler, he says, listen, sell all you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And once he looked at God and he looked at his money, he made his choice. We have to taste and see how good God is. And so when it comes to taste in a spiritual setting, it's one time. Amen, amen, amen. I, I like that. You talked about the platter. You talked about the anchor. You talked about tasting the, the, the goodness of God. And you said one time. How many times can you taste something? One time. And we actually had a comment come in. 
And I want to take a quick look at that comment before I come to you, Demir, if you don't mind. And, and, and Sister Taylor said, taste is an experience, right? So it's an experience. And so, um, and she goes on to say, when you experience something, it has an indelible impression in your mind. So when you think of it, you can express it over and over again. That is a powerful concept. Thank you so much because what she's expressing is, look, the taste leaves something, right? The taste leaves something behind and she's saying then I, you have to do something with that taste that's left behind. So I want to hear from you, Demir, but if you don't mind, can I just read something very quickly, Demir? If, if, thank you so much. You're, you're so kind, man. That's why I always um, just have a, I, I gravitate towards you. It says here in Hebrews chapter six, verse four through six, it says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, chapter Newton, here you are, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Demir, how many times can you taste something? Please help us out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Jason, for reading that, because I think it really helps you clarify. You know, you can really only taste something once, uh, similar to, to how the chaplain um, you know, just you know, beautifully expounded upon. Um, you know, once you get a sense of it, you know, that first time, you know, that's when you make that decision. That's when you make. So I, I, I thought of it in terms of like, um, you know, the if anybody has ever gone to uh, what's the retail store down there, uh, Costco's. Right. Costco's on a weekend or let me just say Costco's on Sunday. Right. And and they have all the little little trays where they give you a little sample so that you can what you can taste. Right. <laughs> so you can taste the product and see, you know, you know, you get a sense of it. Right. Because the definition of taste is to, you know, uh, perceive or experience the flavor of. Right. So, you know, you perceive and you experience the flavor of it and then you decide whether or not you're going to go ahead and you're going to make that uh, make that purchase or you're going to, you know, say, I'm good, I'm going to pass, right? They limit how many times, you know, you can, you know, take those samples, right? You can't just fill up on the samples and then say, you know, I, I don't know if I want, I, I want this, uh, this, this, um, this product or not. And I think it's, it's the same here. Once you've actually, you know, in that verse in Hebrew six, verse four, it talks about, you know, you know, it says, you know, the, the, you know, those who were once enlightened, right. And have tasted, um, of the heavenly gifts and have become partakers of the Holy Ghost. So this isn't just like a cursory knowledge. This is somebody who truly, you know, you know, who who, who has an in-depth understanding of God and has really experienced, you know, the power and the goodness and the forgiving and the the, the love and the warmth of God to, to have fallen away. So this is not just like your average everyday person. This is somebody who has really tasted and has, you know, almost ruminated on 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 um, the, the 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 flavor of the gospel. So, so, so I think, you know, like as, as, a, as a chaplain says, you really can only taste something once and then you make that decision. Amen. Amen. My man went to Costco on a Sunday on us, right? I like how you did that quick little retreat. You kind of pulled back and then went forward. almost like a Tyreek Hill um, reception. Um, you know, you said the weekend, but you're like, wait, wait, wait he's a Sabbath keeper. So let, let me, let me quickly go back to Sunday. But I like that, Demir. You're absolutely right. Look at that. They don't let you have unlimited taste, right? They give you a taste. I love your definition, by the way. Keep that handy. We're going to come back to that. So I'm hearing you taste something one time and then you know whether you want some more, whether you want to dive all in. But it's not the initial um, partaking. Right. 
You know what it tastes like. You've been involved with it. You've gone in deep, not this little overview, but you've actually gone and you know God. You have a knowledge of him for yourself. And so I want to ask this question, Chaplain Newton, if we can understand that as it relates to how many times you can taste something, I, I want to just speak to um, what are some modern day examples, right? What are some modern day examples of tasting the goodness of the word of God? You know, it's always interesting how we hear this and we read it from, you know, the Hebrew letter um, that Paul drafts, but this is a letter that is moving, right? It's not a letter that is stagnant in time. It's fluid. It's, it's something that relates back then as well as now. So if you can give us some modern day examples of tasting the goodness of the word of God, chaplain. Well, you know, when we when we think of the word of God, you know, I remember I was on um, this same uh, broadcast here and you said something that really has resonated in my heart. And, and I, I've known it my whole ministry, my whole life. But when we think of John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And so when we think of the word of God, the word of God has been going on before I was born, before Elder Tracy was born, before uh my brother was born before any of us who are on the line have been born. This this word has been going on. And in his word, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. I, I got up this week. It was raining, but the sun came out this morning. Before we got on the line, I like to walk and talk to God because I want to be in that clear mind before I speak to his people. When I came out. The warmness I felt from the sun let me know that he's not going to leave me or forsake me because he has given me light in this day for me to see where I'm going. He has given me vegetation for me to have to eat. The word of God gives us so much. And, and, and what I wrote down here, when we, what we see in his word, his grace, how gracious he is to us, how he sent his son to die for us so that we have not one chance, but multiple chances because God forgives us so many times. So his grace is sufficient in his word that we see how good he is. Then let's speak of the joy. God gives us joy when we see a baby being born, when we witness all the gracious acts that he's done. All this is in his word, the word of God. Then we also can look at the usefulness. Ella White speaks of the usefulness of the words and how we handle situations. If there's an irate person, we speak to them in love. If there's a person who needs help, we help them in love. But we're useful. We're servants. And there's more I have that I can piggyback on, but I want to save that for further questions. But the most part, the word gives us so much. It says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. <laughs> thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We can quote scripture all day, but God's resourcefulness, God's character, God who he is, is in his word. And if we're spending time with our Savior, we're spending time with our Heavenly Father, we're spending time with his spirit, the word is everything to us. It's guiding us. It's telling us what to do. It's that joy when we're at night crying over a lost loved one. It is everything that we need. Praise God for his word. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, um, Chaplain. I want to read some of these comments, Demir, just before I come to you with that um, same um, question. And I just want to say, first of all, um, good morning. We have some good mornings coming in. Happy Sabbath. Thank you so much, Brother Marcus, um, for that. 
We have our dear sister Gail Cole. Good morning and blessed Sabbath to you as well. Want to also say good morning to our dear sister um, Stephanie um, Quince. Good morning to you as well. And so here, here's we have we have a um, I don't know if it's a it's a um, subtle plug, but it's a plug nonetheless. We have Brother Ricky Mark saying some modern day examples of tasting the word of God, subscribing to DOZ SBA Church on YouTube and subscribing to DOZ Weekly Podcast on my phone and hearing what God has to tell me that day. So again, thank you so much, um, Brother Ricky. I don't know if I just um, became a part of that little plug um, that wasn't so subtle, but nonetheless, um, those are some great examples, right? Demir, what are your thoughts on that? What are some modern day examples of tasting the goodness of the word of God? We see some modern day examples of tasting, right? We saw that in Costco, but now let's talk a little bit about the, the word of God, right? And what your thoughts are there. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely, you know, I'm latching on to everything that the chaplain uh, said there. Um, for me, I think the modern day examples of really is, are really the, those personal uh, experiences that we have with God, right? When, 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 when the chaplain says, you know, he, he, you know, he walks so that he can, you know, he, he walks before, you know, speaking to the people of God so that he can be in communion with God before coming, you know, before his people. I think that is an example of, you know, tasting and seeing, you know, the, the, you know, the, the goodness um, of, of God's word, but really, you know, it's those, it's really those personal experiences that really are, are almost uh, the anchors of our faith moving forward. I think everyone has a personal story. Uh, it may not even necessarily be your personal conversion story, but just a personal story where you truly depended and you really needed God to be there. For me, it was, you know, for me, I, I mean, I'm a person that, you know, I, I guess I understand a lot of the theory, right? And, I, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's one of those things where it's like, but will God do this for me? Right. But, you know, I've seen, you know, Daniel, I've seen, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the lame man, you know, you know, walk like, and I know God is capable, right. But will God do this for me? And I, I will never, ever forget. I was, it was during intercessory prayer a couple of years back and I, I was praying for something. I was praying for healing for a family member. And I was really, really, really in, 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 a, in a moment where I was, you know, I, I was like, God, I need you to be more than theory right now. I need you to be real in my life right now. And even before I ended the prayer, I promise you, my phone buzzed. And it was, and, and I, again, to this day, I, I can't explain it. You know, I obviously, no, I can't explain it. It was God. And I, I opened the text and it was my sister saying, hey, everything's fine. You know, you know, levels are good. And, you know, you know, you know, you know dad's going to be all right. I was like the 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 realness of the moment, right? Because again, there, there's you know, I think for those of us who were raised in the church for so long, we knew the stories, but sometimes we don't necessarily have that personal moment where we really taste, right? <laughs> we're going off the recommendation of others, right? We're going off of our parents. We're going off of you know the biblical stories. We're going off of pathfinders. We're going off of all those different things. But then when you actually taste it for yourself. You know, it, it makes a world of a difference. Right. It, it, it's really something that, you know, from then on you build off of. Uh, and, and so I think those are the modern examples of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And I think after that, you know, there's really can be no doubt. Right. After that, you, 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 you've, you've experienced it and you understand that, yes, you know, you may not be, you know, you're not be able to perceive God physically all the time, but you understand that he's there. You understand that he's listening. You understand that he's loving. You understand that he's kind. You understand that he's long suffering. Right. You understand that he has just a disposition of good towards you. And I think that that you can use that as fuel to continue 
you know, on, on, on the race. And I didn't mean to, you know, to wax, you know, too long there, but um, that's really how I saw the tasting and seeing the goodness of God in our modern experience. That's awesome. I'll say this to you. Um, thank you so much for sharing, Demir. You know, it's those real life examples that not only encourage us when they happen to us, but they encourage others when they hear about what happened to us as well. So thank you so much for providing that, um, that example there. And I'm asking our viewers as well, if you have some modern day examples of tasting the goodness of the word of God, where maybe you didn't even read the word of God first, but he did the thing first and then brought you to the place in the scripture where he said he was going to do it and didn't he do it though, right? And so um, if you wanna share with us this morning, I know others will gain strength from that um, example as well. And um, you know, definitely put them in our comments, um, you know, speak to our chat as it relates to just what a modern day examples of tasting the goodness of the word of God. It is still alive. It is still real. It is not something that um, happened however many years ago for others. But like Demir said, I think it's very powerful. Make it personal. Make it real to you. Will God do it for you? And so, um, so, so just so grateful to God for being so kind and so patient. And as a songwriter says, he's already here. I can feel his presence. In other words, he already was doing it long before you started praying. But he allows you to pray about it anyway. God is awesome. So I want to move on to um, this discussion on Monday. Monday deals with impossible to restore. Now, I must admit, you know, when looking at that title um, or that heading, if you will, for, for Monday, it will cause much angst. It will cause much apprehension. As you start to take a look at something that says impossible to restore, you're thinking, well, wait a second, wait a second. Wait. I thought all things were possible, right? And so you begin to kind of go through this. But I want to, before I get into the question for Monday, I want to bring up, there is a certain poet that came out of, um, I believe it was um, a, little, a little borough in New York by the name of Brooklyn. His name was Christopher. And he said, somebody's got to die right? Somebody has to die. And so I want to discuss this day's focus as we examine that concept from that ghetto poem um, regarding somebody has to die. I want to ask this question, what in our lives needs to die? And understand, there is this reconciling that has to happen at some point. Someone has to die, right? And um, I want to, if you will, um, Chaplain, can you help us out on this one? Um, I don't know if you know the poet, but nonetheless, I know you know Jesus. So if you can help us out in here, I. I, I... <laughs> oh man, you are you are you are very uh, a special person, Elder. I love that. I love that point. And um, yes, yes, I do know the poet. I do know the poet. The poet is uh, probably one of the greatest poets we've ever heard. Uh, the Lord did bless him. Unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. God be with him and his family. Um, uh, basically, you know, when we, we look at uh, it was a scripture text that was aligned with it. It was in Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And it was speaking about the different sins. But when we notice any things of these sins and what needs to die in us itself. And what we have to understand is, is that self is kind of what is not kind of it is what leads us to these things that needs to die. So a lot of times, you know, Sister White, she wrote that she said the greatest battle ever fought is not between God and Satan, but God himself. And when we look at the devil, when he was in heaven and if you, you, you read uh, Ellen White's writings, if you read the Bible, you look that 
the Lord said himself that the sin was found in you. <laughs> you were created as a perfect creature, but the sin was found in you. It was something that was found in you. And so it starts with our pride and what we want and the things that we want that we think are more important than God. And if you ever notice the baby, you ever pay attention to a baby, you tell the baby, don't touch this, don't touch this. Then he touches and he burns himself. And he, uh, as a child, we like to uh, be rebellious. We like to choose things because we think we know it all. God told Adam and Eve, you shouldn't eat of this fruit or you will surely die. And the devil said, you will not surely die. And so we look at certain things. Self is what needs to die. If we die to self, if we every morning get on our knees and say, Lord, give us strength in what we do, we will be fine. But the problem is a lot of people don't do that. Their focus is on things of, of, of the world. Their focus is on their sins and their problems. And we have to change our focus. If we change our focus and keep our eyes on Jesus, we will be fine. But a lot of times we don't do that. And so what needs to die is our sins. But the root problem is us. We have to die to self and give God his all and everything will be fine. Amen. 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 What in our lives needs to die? Chaplain says we just need to die to self. It's that thing um, that dwells within us. Um, Brother Mark says, what needs to, what has to die, unrighteousness, iniquity, the temptations of the past, present, and future, the weeds and thorns attempting to grow where we've sown seeds, a variety of interferences. Um, and someone else says, Sister Taylor says, um, so right, chaplain. Um, and I, I love this comment as well. Um, thank you all for pointing your comments so much. <laughs> you know, what in our lives has to die? And, so much. It's just we, we just really need to empty self as um as um the chaplain brought out. Demir, what are your thoughts on that? You know, what in our lives needs to die? Um if you if you could um help us out there. Well um well holding on to uh, what the chaplain said that uh that God versus self uh really really uh threw me back like that is that is basically the 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 essence of the struggle. Right. It's God versus, you know, our will. Right. There's no there's no there's nowhere for, for two wills, you know, to really you know inhabit one body. It's either it's going to be your will or it's going to be God's will. And I think, um, you know, in, in, in uh, Corinthians or first Corinthians uh, six, verse nine here, where it just you know, lists, you know, all those sins. Um, and then verse 11 says, you know, as as such were some of you. Right. And so it's like, you know, you know, there there's you know, you have to drop, you know, the 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 nature the, the automatic nature that comes you know because automatically you know we are prone to sin like that's just our that's just the the it, it come we come programmed with it and so you have to fight that programming every single day every single day it has to be god it's your will not my will right because you know i see based on my limited views and my limited understanding of the world but you see you know around the corner and over the hill and through the river and you see all you know you see the entire way so like what you want is what i should do and so it it's very difficult you know to 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 relinquish that level of control and to you know to trust you know that that you know that <laughs> that that you know god will lead you in in that in that right path because again you know we're we're in a place as uh, the chaplain says, you know, from a baby, right? You know, we're, 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 it's all about me, 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 me. You know, what, you know, I, I'm cold, I'm hungry, I need to be changed. It's all about me. And then, you know, I think it's a shock 
to realize that the world is not centered around you and that you do have to give up control to someone else to, you know, to take care of you and such. And so, you know, I think it's, it's us, you know, living for ourselves and seeking our own. That man has to die. That old man of sin has to die. And it's like being planted, being buried in order so that you can grow and you can flourish and become a tree. But if you refuse to be buried, um, it, it's going to be difficult. You're just going to, you know, basically stay, you know, the little seed. Um, but, but yeah, that's kind of like where I, I saw that, 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 that question going. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Demir. I, I like that idea of not only dying, but being buried so you can grow. I, I love that. Um, Sister Wells says, excellent. So very true. God will help God help us. We all need to die daily. Amen. Praise God for that. Our sister um, Way says so much of life is based on an experience we can't smell. Um, and, and then um, how we describe something is our experience. When we taste God, we experience God and we are called to share that experience. And so the, the idea of, of that experience with God and those things that need to die in our lives, it's a very, very powerful thing, but somebody has to die, right? And so as we looked at um, on Monday's lesson, it was interesting because it talked about dying to self, but in the event we don't wanna do that, we actually crucify Christ, right? And so just looking to those, those dynamics um, and it's going back to the Garden of Eden, um, God said, the day you eat this fruit, you die, right? Somebody has to die. And so just a very interesting dynamic there. But looking at our lives, and you talked about that First Corinthians um, text, there are so many things in our lives. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's hard to really come to grips with some of the things that need to die. Because those things, it almost feels as though that's what helps us to survive, or shall I say, we think thrive. And those are things that are, they're actually, the very things that we need to die, die off to or have die in our lives are actually killing us. And so if we can kind of reconcile that, the thing that you won't let go of is killing you. Um, once we get to that place, it's, it's a, um, it'll help us get where we need to go. Um, so let me see this. It says, Sister Wells says, I find a little sin that so easily besets us. We may not think as much, but lying, cheating, gossiping, so many negative behaviors we carry as Christians and we don't even know it. I'm guilty. You see the honesty, honesty of Sister Wells and, and the ownership of that. But it's true. We, we oftentimes look at some other sins and kind of cast a, a greater condemnation on those individuals. Meanwhile, we're running with some stuff that we need to get better with. Right. I want to say happy Sabbath to our dear Sister Dahlia um, and God bless you as well. Keep up, keep the comments pouring in, please. We want to hear from you. We want to, we want to um, continue to share this experience with you as well. I want to move into Tuesday's lesson. Tuesday, we're dealing with no sacrifice for sins left. No sacrifice for sins left. And I want to talk a little bit about what Paul gets into this, this language about putting Christ to an open shame. And I want to ask Chaplain Newton, how do we put Christ to an open shame? What is Paul talking about? What is he getting at here? You can help us in our viewers, please. When, when, when we put in Christ to an open shame and we look at the scripture, it says holding on to contempt or holding on to our sins. Um, I'm going to give you a, a few examples here. Um, let's just say you have an issue and in this issue, you take it to a one of these places, these rehab places. Let's say you have issue with marijuana, you have issue with alcoholism. And you go and you go get rehab. You defeat this issue and then they find you back on the news <laughs> with a DUI or with an issue. 
God has given us victory. Jesus has shown us that he can defeat anything. It, it, there's nothing in this world, in the worlds that are, are around us. The, the God can defeat everything. God is above everything. He's the greatest. He's the I am. And when we seek, see Jesus in the life of Jesus and how he handled things, he showed you how you can overcome. You get the antidote to your sin and then you go back and you meddle in the sin. Word of God says in Proverbs that sin is like a dog running back to his throw up to go eat his throw up. We're putting God openly to shame when we continue to choose or run back to our sins. When God has given us the victory, he's given you the victory today and you're still openly going back to your sin. He's shown you, and you are an example to your brothers, your example to the world that we have this hope. But then they see you swearing at the job. We have this hope, but then we, they see you screaming, catching road rage to someone else. We have this openly gift to save everyone in this world, the cure for cancer, the cure for AIDS. We don't need a vaccine. We have the cure for COVID. It is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But we are behaving as if we don't know him. As the, the, some of the disciples did, as Peter did, when he denied him three times. And that's the thing. We have to be Christians, not just on Sabbath, but in those tough situations. When someone at your job, if you're working at a, a hair salon and they're speaking ill of you, you still have to be a Christian in that situation. If someone is gossiping and they're speaking ill about someone else, you have to be a Christian and pull away from that situation. When you openly continue to choose your sin and others see this, and I've, I've heard this, a minister, he told me this, he said when he first got into the faith that his wife felt that the Adventist church is the best church. And when she saw Adventist sinning, gossiping, cursing, drinking of alcohol, all these things that we know that the word says, the wine is a mocker. We know what the word says, but then when people see us and we're not living like that, we are openly putting Jesus to shame. Amen. Um, thank you so much, Chaplain. I want to hear from you, but just before I do, um, Demir, just want to go to um, some of our comments. I want to tell Sister Lauren, good morning. Bless Sabbath to you as well. Um, our Sister Taylor says, when we continue to sin and not hold on to his sacrifice, the sacrifice that gives us power to live this Christian life, that is how we put Christ to an open shame. Thank you so much, Mr. Taylor. So, Demir, help us out here. How do you put Christ to an, Jesus to an open shame? Uh, for me, it's it's really just the refusal to die, right? Kind of like how we were talking about before, the refusal to, you know, to let go of, you know, who we were in the past, right? You know, you just, you know, recalcitrant in our sins and not, you know, letting, not letting that thing go. I think, you know, you know, similar to, you know, to, to, you know, to how the chaplain says, like when, when it's, it's the little things, right. You know, it's not always, you know, these huge moments of faith. It's usually the small, you know, the small little, little, um, I guess, spiritual defeats that really kind of add up to, yeah, you're, 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 you're really not, uh, you're really not, you know, you know, changing, right. You know, when, 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 you know, you stub your toe and instead of, you know, instead of the, you know, the, the, the Christian, you know, comes out, you know, that old man leaps up out of you, right. You know, somebody, you know, uh, changes, 
uh, lanes unexpectedly in traffic or 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 anyone in any you know myriad number of you know you know things that could you know uh, uh, could could get us to you know to become upset. And I think it's those things, it's those moments that you know we refuse to die, and we understand. Uh, honestly, I think they they really illustrate how far we have to go, right? How far we have to go in our walk, and how how close we are, you know, with Christ. Because it's like if that if that's the automatic thing that comes out, you know, I think it just shows you, you know, how much work we need to do. But honestly, that but that sinning deliberately, I think that's really what really puts you know Jesus to an open shame. Um, I think the promise of Christ is a transformed life, right? To go from you know, this person, you know, to, to, uh, to, 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 to become a completely different person. I think if you look at the people who Jesus associated with, right, you know, the, the, the fishermen, the tax collectors who are really tax cheats, the, you know, the prostitutes, the, you know, the sinners and the publicans, right. As the Bible puts it, you know, these were the lowest of the lowest people in society. And, you know, to see them after what three odd years of, of ministry, three odd years of walking with him, you know, the people who, you know, the guy who carried a sword and was out, you know, ready to, you know, cut ears off is writing, you know, my little children be as, you know, like the, it's, it's a completely different person. And, 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 and I think that's the miracle and that's the transformation um, um, of Christ. Like, like, like the chaplain says, it was God versus self. And when you let God win, you, you become so much, you become so much more, you, 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 that old person dies and you become this new person that, that God would, would want you to be. And honestly, that's the best person that you could be. And, and, and I think we put God to shame when we accept Christ, right? We come as we are, and then we stay as we are. We remain the same person. I think it kind of says to the world that, that this was a life that the power of God couldn't have changed. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, God has done all this. But in this life, in this particular life, in her life, in his life, you know, God did nothing for 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 them or had no power to change their life. And I think that that's what um, the chaplain you know, mentioned when uh, the, the the preacher's wife saw, you know, Adventists, you know, who were, you know, gossiping and, you know, you know, just just being, you know, in a just acting in a manner that doesn't befit, you know, the calling that we're called to. So I think that that is, you know, the. That, that, that is putting it to that is putting God to an open shame or Christ to an open shame. And I think we we can choose to relinquish that power. Right. We can choose to relinquish, you know, you know, that will and let and allow God to lead. Um, and, and it would be so much more because, like you said before, the things that we hold on to are corrosive. Right. The, the, the anger when you hold on to that anger, when you hold on to, you know, you know, whatever vice it is that you're holding on to, it's corrosive for you like to hold on to lust, to hold on to greed, to hold on to you know, just being impatient. Like those are the things that we, 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 we just hold on to those things when in actuality it's, it's, it's rotting us from the inside. You know, we, we may not, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you don't perceive how bad it is, but you, it's an additive effect over multiple years. It becomes harder. So if you don't deal with it today, it's harder to deal with tomorrow. It's harder to deal with next month. It's harder to deal with next year. So it's like, you really have to make the decision to let go and let God today, right, even right now, and not wait, because it, it just becomes a much more uh, difficult thing to let go in, in, in the future. Demir, whenever you have that writing instrument in your hand, I know you're getting ready to get busy, right? And I'm not moving <laughs> for a reason. Then you switched hands and um, put in your other hand. So I knew for sure at that point, you get ready to go, um, go just, just hard on this particular question. But you said something that triggered um, a, 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 um, a thought in my mind, and it seems that one of our viewers as well, um, 
just before you um, started getting into it, um, our dear sister here, Sagithia says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And right. we find this in scripture. And she has brought this point out because there are many of us who walk around with, a, with the, the, the Bible commentaries, the, you know, a big Bible all marked up, um, um, tagged up, tabbed up, you know, all that good stuff. And we, 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 we Sabbath and we have the excellent way we say it, the excellent way we, you know, we make it seem as though it's one thing. But, but at the end of the day, we don't have the power, right? We deny the power. And you talked about the power of change. You talked about this power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you this question. And I want you to keep your mind, if you don't, if, if you don't mind, Demir, not telling you what to do. This is what I would like for you to, to um, possibly consider. Keep your mind on this comment, right? Having a form of God, and I'll come back to it, but denying the power thereof. And I want to move us to the question of how do we sin against the Holy Spirit, right? Because you talk about, you know, that repetitive sin, right? Putting Christ in open shame. But how do we sin against the Holy Spirit? And at the same time, I want us to remember this having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Help us, Demir. I'm going back on mute. Uh, absolutely. I think it's really denying, uh, you know, the tugging, right, in our hearts, right? That, that conviction to say, hey, look, the way that you talk to that coworker, I understand that you had already sent them the document and that you had reminded them in person and that, you know, on the group, on, 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 the, on the larger group, they, you know, they, they, they made it seem like you were incompetent. But the way that you, you, you talked to her, that was not becoming of a Christian, like and, and, and just refusing right, to, to go back and you know, to apologize. I think it's refusing to, you know, to, to, to speak to somebody about Christ when, when you have the opportunity. Like, 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 like I was saying before, you know, we're, we're waiting for you know, the time of trouble right, to, be, to make some huge grand stand. But really, it, it doesn't really take all that. Right. It takes something simple like, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, and, and, and not mentioning the fact that, you know, you went to church. Right. It's the small, little, seemingly insignificant things where the spirit is telling you, hey, talk about, you know, the, the, the revival or talk about the, you know, the mission uh, 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 trip that you guys did or something like it's, it's those small little things. Right. Those small little things that that we that, that you know, you have the spirit tugging on you and, and you refuse to, you know, to give in. And obviously, if we're still worried about the you know, you know, grieving the Holy Spirit, right? You know, we haven't, you know, we haven't grieved the Holy Spirit to, you know, to, you know, completion, but it's, it's resisting, it's having those forms of godliness, like, like our dear sister says, and denying that power and not, you know, allowing, you know, the power to do its work in us. And I'm going to, I'm trying to get to Mark here. But, but that's, but that's, that's, I think that's who, that, that's how we go ahead and 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 sin against the spirit. Um, no, I... So while you're turning there, I want to read this comment, if you don't mind, um, Demir. And so we had this comment come in from um, B. Palmer. And it's interesting that this comment came in before you began responding to that question, right? And um, it says, God works by the manifestation of his spirit to reprove and convict the sinner. And the spirit's work is finally rejected, there is no more that God can do for the soul. Imagine what's happening here, right? Christ says, I go and my father will send you a comforter, right? And this comforter will lead you. It will guide you into all truth, right? It will convict you. It will reprove you. It will give you power. 
It will give you power to understand and power to overcome. I feel like preaching, right? But if you reject that power, there's nothing more. God has given you that perfect gift. So Jesus says, if you reject that, you're endangered. I believe that's, that's what you're looking for, Demir. Um, and so as we talk about the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, it's literally your walking dead. You are literally a hollow um, um, cutout of a Christian with no substance inside, nothing inside. And so I see here we have um, Sister Taylor says, rejecting the constant tugging of the spirit and deciding to do it the way that way because it feels good. Right. And then Sister um, Stephanie um, says, refusing to correct your behavior. Sister Taylor goes on and say, do it your way. And so we see this idea that um, God's Holy Spirit is capable of removing any sin within us as long as we die to self moment by moment. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. This is the Samson moment, right? Samson is doomed. This is it. It is over. They gouge his eyes out. But the Bible says, I feel like preaching already. Here, here we go. The Bible says, how be it? Yes, in Judges chapter 16, I believe it is. How be it? The hair upon his head began to grow. In other words, his relationship was restored. It began to grow again. He began to connect again. And there we see it. The Holy Spirit is able to save and it saved him. Our dear um, our, our dear sister, um, I want to say good morning to everyone, by the way. We've gotten some happy Sabbaths from our dear Elder Sterling. Um, happy Sabbath to you up there in Central Florida. I want to say happy Sabbath to our dear sister Cornish as well. Let's, let's, let's keep this rolling. I want to hear from you, chaplain. You've been there for a while. I can see the spirit is bubbling within you. I need to hear from you. So we talked about sinning against the Holy Spirit, right? And I want to find out from you, how do we overcome our weaknesses, right? So we talked about the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit will do. Help us understand and get to the place of how do we overcome our weaknesses, please. And I know we... But I, I want to piggyback on what you guys were saying. Um, I'm going to answer both questions, I promise. Uh, for the first one, as far as the Holy Spirit, the word of God says in Mark, I'm reading from the CSB version. It says here, uh, 29, but whosoever blasphemes against my Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Now, what you have to understand, there's an atheist that says he's rejecting God, but there's a chance he still can be baptized. We continue to pursue him. When we speak of blasphemy, Let's go to Webster. Webster says the act of an offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God or sacred things, profane talking towards God. So when we reject the Holy Spirit in a sacrilegious way, we are pushing him away. I know when we were kids and growing up, you can joke on me all you want, but don't joke on my mama. You joke on my mama, it's fighting words. We know this. We're ready to throw blows. The Holy Spirit is what gives us reproof. He is what shows us what we need to do. We have to take him serious. It's not a joke. The Holy Spirit is who speaks to us constantly every day, who's telling us, don't say those words to your coworker. Be more kind to your church member. Be Pray for your pastor. He's going through something, whether you know it or not. The Spirit will move you to do these things. When we push him away in anger, in blaspheme, we're doing something that can't be forgiven. Now, to answer the, the, the next question, how do we overcome our weakness? Jesus. 
It's obvious. Through Jesus. Looking at the life of Jesus. I had a conversation this week, uh, it was actually yesterday, with one of my mentors. And we were speaking, you know, and I always wanted to understand this. Now, you know, the question says, how do we overcome our weakness? Now, me and the, the pastor, uh, my brother, uh, the uh, pastors in the conference, as well as Elder Tracy, I'm the only one of the crew who is a big time LeBron James fan. But when we speak of greatness in basketball, it's Kobe Bryant, it's Michael Jordan. And look how Jordan does this. And Kobe emulates Michael Jordan. We have a guy that is so powerful and put a plan together. He didn't just give us one gospel. He gave us four to understand the life of Jesus. And I asked the pastor, I said, Pastor, my mentor, why is there four gospels? And he explained it to me. Matthew is showing Jesus the king. Mark is showing Jesus the servant. Luke is showing Jesus with compassion. And John is showing Jesus our God. And this is our example that we have. When we're in weakness, look how Jesus defeated the weakness. When they spoke bad of Jesus, look how Jesus handled them speaking bad to them. When they spit in our master's face, look how Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How we handle and overcome our weaknesses is through Jesus. That's the best thing about it. We have so many different books that tells the story of Moses, the story of Elijah, but we have four books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So when you're going through a weakness, if you don't understand it as Jesus the King, go see him as Jesus the servant. If you don't understand him as Jesus the servant, go see him as Jesus with compassion. If you don't understand Jesus with compassion, Jesus our Lord and Savior and John. That's how we overcome our weakness. Amen, amen. Comments are pouring in, pouring in, pouring in. And um, I just want to say, man, um, we are running out of time. And, and I think that... Um, I, I think I took up the time this morning, but I want to just—I want to see if we can hit a couple of these questions real quickly. I'm going to ask you this quick question, um, Demir. How did? And I'm going to move on to Thursday's discussion here. Thursday's discussion. I want to talk about how did Jesus? How did God, or does God, fulfill all? his promises. I'm talking about this idea of Jesus, the anchor of the soul. That was a title for the for um, Thursday. How did or does God fulfill all of his promises to us? <clears throat> um, so I think it's, it's in Jesus, right? So one of the things that, you know, it, it you know, I think with Jesus, it's like if God is willing to give us Jesus, there's really nothing else that he is, you know, that, that, that he'll withhold, you know, from us. Right. Jesus is, you know, the bright and morning star. Jesus is the, you know, the, the, you know, the glory of, you know, the Godhead, you know, bodily. Jesus is, you know, Jesus is everything. Right. And so if he's willing to give us Jesus, there's nothing. Else, everything else is less than. Right. So if, if, if he's willing to give us Jesus, it's not like, you know, it's not like making us the head. That he won't do and not the tail it's not you know helping us you know run on wings like eagles that he's not going to do it's not you know you know strengthening us for whatever battles that you know we have to come so in 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 giving us jesus he's already giving us you know the most precious gift that you know that could be given and so 
And, you know, all the promises that, um, you know, that, that, that God made, you know, were to get us to glory. Um, and here is Christ paving the way to make it possible, you know, for us to, you know, to, you know, to, to, to get there. And, and, and by giving us Jesus, he's already, he's given us the keys. He's giving us the way of salvation. And so that is really the, you know, the accomplishment of all the promises, Right. And that's how, you know, the fact that, you know, he also says that his word will not return to him void. Right. Jesus is the word. Right. Jesus went and he accomplished everything that he that that that, that you know, the father had you know had promised to Israel and really through extension had promised to us as well. So if we focus on Jesus, if we walk with him, then there's really nothing that we can't accomplish. There's nothing that we can't do, you know, and, and, and by by relinquishing our will to his to his will and just allowing him to take control. It's there, there, there is a, there, there is a security. There is a, a level of faith. There's a level of, of just mental, you know, happiness and, and, and wholeness that you get from that, that I, I that I, and obviously I'm working on as well. And I think that should be the, the, the life's work of everyone really. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, Demir, I really appreciate that. How did and does God fulfill all of his promises to us? It's the same answer. It's just powerful, right? Same answer. He he said he'll do it and he keeps on doing it. And Jesus is still there yesterday, today. And what, what, what is the next part? Forevermore, right? And so I'm going to come to you, Chaplain, with the last question. I'm going to hit some of these comments. We got to wrap up. I am already one minute over time. So, Chaplain, I'm going to ask you if you can just help us out. What does it mean that when it says Jesus as the anchor of our soul? Help us out if you can and give us some going home music on this one. Jesus is the key. And if he's the anchor to our soul, he is what's going to guide us. You know, we, we see the word and we understand the word. And so if, if God, if Jesus is our anchor, if he is our anchor, if we understand something, looking at the life of Jesus, understanding the life of Jesus. And, and don't worry if you fall because the disciples fell. Disciples made mistakes. <laughs> One disciple walked on water and then later he cut a man's ear off. So that shows you in the where weakness lies. But that's what makes us serve such a, a loving and, and, and great God, that he understands where we are in our weakness, that he meets us where we at. We just have to trust him. If we allow Jesus to be the anchor of our lives, and that's the key. He's the anchor of the soul. But at the end of the day, God sees the soul. We don't see the soul. We see our lives. Jesus has to not only be the anchor of your soul, but the anchor of your life. Let him be the true key of your life. That wherever you go, they see Jesus. Because you have to understand that. The biggest problem we have as Christians is that when people see us, they don't always see us on our best behavior. And in order for us to be on our best behavior, look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and I guarantee he'll be the anchor of your life, anchor of your soul, whatever you need. But you have to look to Jesus. You have to follow Jesus. What did Jesus do every morning? He got away from people. We have to get away from people. The first thing in the morning, we don't look in our phones. We don't call Elder Tracy and ask him for some help, for some some, some legal help. We don't call... Uh, 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 you know, the, the, the president of the United States and say, reduce my taxes. We call the king of king and lord of lords and say, Lord, help me embrace this day. Help me to understand this day. Help me to take even problems in my day as a blessing that makes me draw closer to you and leaning on you. Remember, the word of God says in Proverbs 3, 5, to trust in the Lord with all, all 
and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Amen. Amen. That does it for our time. Thank you so much, chaplain. I just want to say this. Um, the Bible says Jesus sat down at the right hand, the right of his father. And you think about an anchor in a boat. The anchor is dropped. When the anchor drops, guess what? The boat does not move, right? And so Jesus dropped it down next to his heavenly, um, our heavenly father. And that means he will not move. And that means that we can anchor ourselves into him. If we put ourselves in him, we shall not be moved. We stay in Christ. So thank you both so very much. Has some powerful comments come through today, and I wish we could have read them all. Um, we have here, Brother Martin says, Godly patience is unmatched in this universe. It is truly something. Uh, we have um, B. Palmer says, we overcome our weaknesses by recognizing them through Jesus Christ. Um, I love this. Sister Taylor says, he fulfilled his promises to us by coming and dying. If he died for us, there's no greater way to show that he would do all that he says he would do. And I was going to go on by um, here. We have our dear um, sister, um, Cindy Paul says, amen. And that's all I have to say. Amen. Thank you, my dear brothers, for allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you today and with you. I am truly moved. I am closer than I was when I, we first began. Think about that. 50 plus minutes and I've gotten closer to my heavenly savior. That is truly a blessing. I want to thank you all for viewing and being with us today. I want to thank you for your comments. I want to ask you to continue to subscribe to our um, channel, share this broadcast, spend some time with us at our 11 o'clock worship service. We have an awesome service prepared for you today. We have a guest speaker coming in. Um, many of you know him. Our dear elder, Jonathan Rowe, powerful preacher, has been in the word for quite some time. Um, he is truly committed his life to doing the work that edifies Christ. So join us back at 11 o'clock. You have about four minutes to go. Um, freshen yourself up. Get some water. Get some of that unleavened bread and come on back and spend time in the presence of God today. We ask that you will um, join us again next week. Um, same channel, same time, but most importantly, same God. Pray with me, if you will. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, dear Lord, for your word. Thank you, O oh Jesus, for being the anchor of our soul. We thank you, dear God, for teaching us how to overcome this world. But more importantly, dear God, how to overcome self. Help us, dear Lord, to die to self and to embrace the power that you give us through your Holy Spirit. Help us, dear Lord, not to have a form of godliness, but to have God within us. We thank you for this opportunity. Be with all those who participate, dear Lord. Bless them, dear Lord, all over this world. And may you, dear Lord, be glorified in our lives. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great rest of the Sabbath.